0: mark your psalm books to number 500. I join with Bill in saying, I'm glad that you're here, and join with Monty and with Nathan and the other leaders in saying, we're glad that you're here, that you've come to join us in worship and in praise of God. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about a faith check, uh, both for me and for you. This has certainly been a week for a faith check. Hopefully, uh, your faith wasn't, as, wasn't tested as much as mine, but I certainly know there are many who had their faith tested much more than I did. And I can say throughout the week, there have been a number of things uh, that, have, that have happened uh, thanks to the weather, uh, thanks to life, uh, thanks to love, uh, that have been very trying Uh, For me and for many of us, I want you to think for a second about the reading in Luke the 17th chapter. If you have a Bible this morning, I'd encourage you to follow along, or if you have a device, uh, I'd encourage you to follow along there in Luke the 17th chapter. You know, it's easy uh, to focus on the first part of that reading and the words of warning that the Lord gives. Those words of warning about offenses and how offenses will come. And the words of warning about how a millstone should tie, be tied around the neck of one through whom the offenses come. But I want you to focus on the next part of that reading for just a minute. As Jesus is speaking there, He looks out as His disciples and He says... If your brother trespasses against him and turns to you, forgive him. And if he trespasses seven times in a day and again turns to you and repents, forgive him. You can imagine what it was like for those disciples as they're sitting there listening and learning there from the Son of God. And he says, here's the thing. If a brother trespasses against you seven times. And then he really brings it home. In a day. Seven times in a day. And he turns to you and repents. Forgive him. You can see what it stirred up in the disciples. Disciples. Because the disciples then posed a request to the Lord. Disciples said "Disciples said to him, Increase our faith. Now the Lord said to those disciples, Okay, you wanna, let, let's talk about faith for just a second. See, if, if you want to talk about faith, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed you could say to that tree over there, be pulled up by the root and be planted in the sea and it would be done. How's your faith this morning? Jesus said to his disciples, if your faith was as A grain of mustard seed. You could say to a tree, be pulled up, not be cut down. Not be rotted and fall. Not have a deep freeze and fall over. But he said, you could say to that tree, be pulled up by the root and go plant over there. And it would be done. You know, the deep freeze this week Uh, A number of you asked how the cows are doing. I'm going to tell you what. This wasn't a good week. It wasn't a good week for for the calves. (laughs) I unfortunately chose a calving season that would fall this week. (laughs) Um, And it's really sad to watch a newborn calf freeze to death. and not know what to do for it. You know, there's a fortunate part about that. The fortunate part is, uh, the last one that was close, Monty Paul and I, Monty Paul rode with me out south to the calves. Uh, One was born and his back legs were frozen. He couldn't get up. Uh, Didn't know what to do. So we put it in the truck. We let it warm up. We put it back out there to see if Mama would come up to it. But Mama already realized this calf was freezing to death. We put it back on the ground. And in a short time it was on the ground, it started freezing again. And we watched as that calf gave up. And as hard as that was, we, we put that calf in the truck. And I called Kelly and said, we, we're bringing a bottle calf home, but it may not make it through the night. The cool thing was, Monty Paul and I, Monty Paul, in his humility, had to ride in the back seat of the truck while this dying calf got the front seat. (laughs) And lo and behold, we're coming down Hobart, and we hit the stoplight, I believe, at McDonald's, and Ian and Toya Jones are right beside us. And we roll the window down, and I said, Can you run out to the house with us? we got to try to save a calf. Everybody met at the house. We get this calf out in the neatest little makeshift pen with hay in the garage. I'm going to tell you what. That calf loves Emma. And Emma has fed it every day since it made it that day. You know, I wish I could say that that was the toughest thing that happened this week. It's tough to watch little calves die. I'm going to tell you what when you've got a 38 year old mother of two that you're told she has cancer and it's late ch- stages and there may be nothing you can do about it, and you send her a scripture reading every single day, and then one day you get to see her face. And she tells you how she wants to survive three and a half years just for her two little girls. I'm going to tell you what, your faith will be tested. And I want to say that for some reason we hear the word faith and we think about a trivial pursuit test. You ever thought about that? When we hear a word like faith, for some reason, we look at faith and we say, you know, here's what it takes about faith. You've got to be able to answer a certain number of questions about a certain number of very distinct issues and topics biblically. And until you can do that, you just don't have the faith. And I'm going to tell you, the Scriptures say otherwise. And I want you to see that this morning. I want to start with a base understanding of the importance of faith. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, Paul is writing to the Hebrews, and the Hebrews had come from a foundation of the law. And coming from that foundation, he knew that he had to establish something about having faith in a Savior, in a Messiah, in one who had come and shed his blood and given his life even for them. And in Hebrews 11, chapter verse 6, Paul writes, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now when I say that there is a simplicity about faith that faith is really something very simple if we'll just let it be. I don't want you to think that because faith is simple faith is unimportant. In fact, Paul said it's impossible to please him without it. Paul said, you see, you can check all of the boxes, but if you don't check that one, the one that says faith, it's impossible to please him. And you'll notice what the apostles said there the Apostle the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. You notice in that time when Jesus had given them a hard lesson, had given them a lesson that we look at and we go, man, that's, that's a little too tough to do. The disciples In their heart reaction said this, increase our faith. In a time like this, increase our faith. So I want you to go to Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans chapter 10, as Paul is teaching here, we're going to begin in verse 13. And I want you to notice what Paul writes about faith. He says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you to stop there. You know, we could get into a very detailed teaching about what the Scriptures say about what it means to call upon the name of the Lord. And I think it's very important that we understand what Paul was describing and what Paul had been through when he said calling upon the name of the Lord. But I want you to focus on what he said the importance of calling on the name of the Lord was. He said, whosoever did that shall be saved. Have you thought about what that meant? What Paul was talking about to you and I, and saying, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is being saved important? I'm going to tell you, when you look a 38 year old mother with late stage cancer in the eye, you'll know how important eternity is. You know, sometimes even at 41 years old, I can really look at life and go, you know, I've got a while. You know, I've got a while. There are those who have lived to be 90, 100 years. 41, I'm not even halfway there. And then a 38-year-old is close. And then you realize when James said it's but a vapor, we're all close. You know, whatever words Paul was using here, he wanted to make sure that you understood this is important because this has to do with salvation. This has to do with life eternal. This has to do with such a long time we can't even comprehend the vastness of it from one end to the other. Eternity's a long time. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I'm going to pause one more time before we get to the words that I want you to focus on this morning. He's asked an important question. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. These are things that deal with eternity and your soul's salvation. And then he says, but how shall they believe in him and of whom they have not heard? You know, it's pretty pretty easy to understand, right? It's impossible to believe in something, to believe in somebody, to believe in something, When you haven't even heard about it. But wait, how are you going to hear? Except there be a preacher. And how shall they be a preacher except they be sent? You know, if you look at what Paul's going through there, that line is pretty basic. It's pretty easy to understand. And then it says, How shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach of all the bad things and all the bad times and how tough it is. Y'all wonder why Paul didn't say that. I wonder why Paul didn't say how great it is for a preacher who will tell you all the bad things you've done and all the bad things in life and show you all the horrible things that you need to be done with. Wouldn't that be better? He didn't say that. He said, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed, our report. Now I want you to remember verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of, Of God. Everybody hear that? So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Let's think about all the ways that we could get faith this morning. We could get faith by witnessing a miracle. Right? We could get faith by seeing some sign or some wonder. In fact, we could get faith if the Lord would just come back today, just one time in the flesh, and He would come up here and let us see His side and His hands. I want you to think about how ridiculous the idea of that really is. What if King David was up here preaching to you this morning? Would you listen to him? I'm going to tell you, I would listen. No, let's be realistic about this. You see, David was an adulterer. Wouldn't we all love to have a preacher who came up here and said, look, I'm an adulterer. Now listen to my words. Now let's change from David to Paul. What if Paul, the New Testament, Paul was here preaching and he came up here and he said, hey, I I want you to tell you what I did. Okay. There was one of your brothers. His name was Stephen. And I stood there and I railed them on and I held their coats while they stoned him to death. In fact, there were a lot of people that were murdered to me. Now listen to my words. Would we listen to him? You see, maybe there's a reason that Paul made this so simple and he said, you know, faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, faith doesn't come Because of some miracle? Because then of us, those of us who have not seen a miracle would have to say, well, I don't have a chance at faith. Faith doesn't come from some magical sign or some great feeling. Why? Because if we don't have the right feeling then we could never have faith. So where does faith come from? You see, Paul made it easy. He said, faith, that thing that without, it's impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you to see how easy this message is. What Paul was teaching was Know the one you're listening to. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And not only should you know the one you're listening to, but you need to actually listen to the right message. And when you know the one you're listening to, and you listen to the right message, then you need to do as the message tells. That's faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's look at that a little closer. If we need to know the one we're listening to, I want you to look at John the 6th chapter. In John the 6th chapter, in verse 66, there's uh, an example here of what Peter says in him recognizing the one he's listening to. In recognizing how important it was to know the one you're listening to. Verse 66 there in John 6 says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, as Monty, Paul, and I were out there watching this calf, I made a phone call to a couple of people who were uh, way more experienced, uh, way more knowledgeable, uh, way dependent upon the cattle business for their livelihood. Uh, I called them, and I will tell you what. I realized that I could keep calling people in the cattle business, asking them what I should do, and if I called ten people, I would get ten different answers about the right, what the right thing to do was. Ten, ten different ways that I could try to save this calf. Ten different things I needed to do for this calf. Ten different things I need to put in this calf. And it didn't matter what. And you know what? All of them may have some bit of rightness. But as we were standing there around uh, this pen, uh, Brother Ian made some comments about what trying to save this calf was. And, uh, and I started to be afraid that, that, that Emma was getting a little close to this calf. Uh, Emma has a wonderful heart, and that wonderful heart uh, has a real heart for animals. And, and I started to fear that I was going to wake up in the morning and that calf was going to be dead, and it might be Emma who found that dead calf, and that was going to hurt really, really bad. So then I, I thought I better, I better taper the words. And, and I looked at him and I said, "Now look, we're, we're going to do all that we can to save this calf. But I'm going to tell you what: we can do everything right. And if this calf doesn't have the will to live, either way, God's will is going to be done. And if this calf's going to be saved, it's going to be up to God. You know what Peter said?" Peter watched all these disciples who turned away and no doubt said, I can find the Word somewhere else. Watched all of these disciples who turned away from Christ and went off to listen either to someone else or to their own ideas. And he said, where in the world would we go? Lord, You have the words of eternal life. Where's your message come from this morning? I want you to notice what Peter wrote there in 2 Peter, the first chapter, beginning in verse 19. 2 Peter, the first chapter, beginning in verse 19, says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as much unto a light as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now before the the wheels start turning, and you decide that you want to debate whether or not I'm right about this Scripture, I want you to stop and think about the foundation here because it's real easy to look at this and go, but wait a minute. The Bible says to seek wise counsel. The Bible says to seek wise men. To go to wise men and ask their suggestion. I get it. That's why I would turn to somebody who has a lot more knowledge than me in trying to save a calf, but here's the foundation you better have. You see, it's easy for me to go Ian and go, Ian, I want to see how good your faith is You tell me the words. It's a whole nother thing for me to make sure that I try the Scriptures. It's a whole nother thing for me to decide my faith is important and for me to go to the one who gives faith. The one who has earned faith. The one who deserves faith. Faith You see, as a foundation, it's important we understand that my faith doesn't come from Ian. My faith comes from God. Look at Acts the 10th chapter. In Acts, the 10th chapter, we learn how important it is to know where they come from and to listen to the right message. If you look at Acts, the 10th chapter, you'll see the story of Cornelius and Cornelius there was the opening of the gospel to the Gentiles. And I want you to notice what Cornelius did when he found this out that that it was being opened to him and his kind and his family there. It says in verse 25, And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. Who do you have faith in? You ever thought about that? Who do you have faith in? See, I like to pick on Ian. Because Ian's one of those guys, I'd say, Ian's a good man. Ian's got a good heart. And I like to pick on him because I pray that Ian knows how I feel in my heart about Ian. But you know, Peter here gave an example to Cornelius you ever heard somebody say well I believe in a certain thing because that's what the preacher told on Sunday you ever done that you ever said well you know I can't tell you where it is in scripture but I'm sure it says it because Ian preached about it on Sunday You know what Cornelius did? Cornelius came to Peter and he bowed down and said he began to worship. And he said, Ian, you have the words. And Peter said, stand up. And Ian would say, stand up. I'm just a man. Here's the importance of that. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, uh, Paul is teaching the church at Corinth uh, an important thing. And what he had recognized was that there was becoming division because certain people were saying, I'm of Paul. And others were saying, I'm of Apollos. And Paul says these words, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth. The increase. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying, the Lord gave me this gift, and he given this gift to you, and he gave it to you through me. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Stop focusing on me telling you, focus on the word that you've been given. Because I, Paul, am nothing compared to the faith that's in the Word. And Apollos is nothing compared to the increase that God gives through the gift of His Word. You see what Paul was teaching was? was the same thing he taught the Romans. He said, how's your faith? Not your faith in Paul. Not your faith in Apollos. Not your faith in Monty or Nathan or Ian. How's your faith in the one that died for you? How's your faith in the one that created you? How's your faith in the one That has the power, that has the grace, that has the mercy to give you life eternal. Galatians, the fifth chapter in verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit do we understand this morning what it means to walk in the spirit You know, over the last few weeks and months, there's been some wonderful lessons about things we need to watch out for in our lives. You know, there's a reason that Christ said, by their fruits, you shall know them. By their fruits, you shall know them. You know, it's hard to say that you're filled with love and joy and peace when you're living a life of anger and bitterness and envy. Amen. It's hard to say, I guess, no, that's, that's bad wording. It's easy to say. But it's not true to say, I'm filled with the Spirit, but be walking in the darkness. Notice here what James said. In James, the second chapter, verse 17, James writes, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You know, as Ian has pointed out a number of times, uh, this, this is one of those controversial ideas about, about the fact that, that Paul said, we're not going to be saved by works. And sometimes it's a real fun, trivial pursuit argument to argue about grace and faith and works and the importance of belief. But you know, James kind of nails it down fairly easily here. But let me make sure it's clear to you. There's not a single work you will do that will be good enough for you to deserve to be in heaven. It has nothing to do with that. There is not a single work you can do that's big enough or good enough to get you there. But that's not what it's about. It's the fact that by their fruits, you shall know them. I'll show you my faith by my works. You see, believing isn't enough. In fact, it is here in James, the second chapter, where he says, you believe in God, you do well. So do the devils. They believe and tremble. There's not a single work you'll do that's good enough, but I'll tell you what, if you have faith, you will have the works. You know, if you think about that idea, you understand it well. You may hope it's not true, but you still understand it. I'll give you an example. I believe in mothers. I believe that mothers are important. I believe that mothers deserve respect. I believe that mothers are some of the most caring and loving group of people as a whole. That does not make me a mother. I believe in nurses and the work that nurses do. And I think their work is important. And I believe that nurses can save lives. And I believe that nurses can show more empathy and compassion than a lot of people. But my belief in a nurse doesn't make me one. You see, I believe in God. I believe that God has a lot of power and a lot of authority. I believe that God was very giving and gracious and loving. But that belief alone doesn't make me a follower of Him. You see, if I have faith in the Creator, then you'll see it by my fruit. You'll see it by my works, you'll see it by my light. And the disciples said, Increase our faith. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, I would imagine if I could stand up here and say, well, here's here's certain things you've got to do. You've got to be able to run a mile, and you need to be able to run it in under seven minutes. And then you need to be able to swim a mile in freezing water. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll do that, your faith will be increased. Then we would all start working toward getting there, right? But Paul said it's much easier than that. I will never run a mile in seven minutes. Uh, I, don't, I don't even run from something. Okay? I know there's a lot of you that tell that joke and you say, if you see me running, you know I'm running from something. So here's my joke. I'm not even going to run from something. I don't like running. But it's easier than that. There's no special trivial pursuit test. So then faith, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The one who sent his son to die on the cross for you. If nothing else this morning, If your faith right now is just too weak, I want you to have faith in this that God created you and God loved you enough that He sent His Son in grace and mercy to give His life for you, that you would be washed clean to be good enough. If you're not a child of God this morning, if you're not a child of god spiritually you're dead and if spiritually you're dead eternity's a long time of torment you have an opportunity to be obedient to the gospel the gospel Of goodness and love. The gospel of one who would leave his father's side in heaven. To come to this earth as a man and give his life for you. To be obedient to his will. To be buried with him in baptism. If you are a child of God, we want your faith strong this morning. I tell you, I I don't know the ways of God. I don't understand the things that God understands, but I recognize this, that God gave us one another to strengthen and encourage and build the faith of one another. And we're prepared to do that this morning. If we can pray with you or for you, we'd encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected and have a seat on these front three chairs.